0: Distilled, a spirited podcast. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Distilled, the spirited podcast. I'm your host, Julie Christie, and I'd like to invite you to settle down, relax, and pour yourself a wee drink, provided you're not driving or listening first thing in the morning. Drink responsibly, folks. In this episode, we're visiting our third distillery based in Dublin's Liberties, but the only one actually named after it. The Dublin Liberties Distillery Now many of you are no doubt aware that once upon a time Dublin was pretty much the global capital of whiskey production With over 130 distilleries clustered in a relatively small area much of the activity was centred on Dublin liberties, originally due to lower taxation or so the story goes. A little over 100 years ago, the area around Guinness's massive James's Gate Brewery was a hive for mostly smelly activity, including tanning, brewing and the one we're most interested in, distilling. In recent decades, the liberties fell on hard times, with more businesses closing down and leaving the area than coming in. That has been changing over the last few years, with the Guinness Storehouse bringing hordes of tourists, the Digital Hub bringing tech and innovation, and then, more recently, whisky producers setting up their stills in the neighbourhood. Since Teeling opened its doors back in 2015, three more distilleries have been established in the Liberties, helping to make it a real up-and-coming area. The Dublin Liberties Distillery fired up their stills in spring of 2019, and is home to the Dubliner and the Dublin Liberties expressions like Copper Alley, Oak Devil and Murder Lane. To tell us more, here's Master Distiller and Director of Irish Whiskey, Daryl McNally. Hello Daryl, welcome to Distilled.
1: Hello, Thanks. thanks for inviting me.
0: Um, well, thanks for coming on today. I don't think I've ever called someone a director of Irish whiskey before. So, why don't we get started on you just telling us a little bit about your day to day work in the distillery?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, I suppose the director of Irish whiskey came about uh, because I was sort of the first guy standing in Ireland uh, when this was all uh, a dream. Uh, so yeah, we sourced a site down in the Dublin Liberties. We had two great brands, the Dubliner and Dublin Liberties, which we could really work on and really give the brand and the history and the heritage. Uh, so Director of Irish Whiskey was sort of getting everything pulled together, getting the investment put together. And then the Master Distiller, uh, having worked in whiskey for a number of years now, the Master Distiller piece was something that I knew much better than the Director of Irish <laughs> Whiskey. So when I got to making the whiskey side, it was, it was the easier part of it.
0: Yeah, oh fantastic And obviously you just touched a little bit on your background there Would you be able to tell us a little bit more about that So previous roles in the industry
1: Sure, Uh, well I started back in 1998 um, So I started working for Irish distillers uh, at the Bushmills site So I worked for Irish distillers at Bushmills from about 1998 to about 2001 I then came down to Dublin here And worked at one of the Botland sites for Irish distillers For a few years And then um, I got the opportunity to go back to Bushmills and to learn the trade of becoming a master distiller, which takes about seven years, so I grabbed that with two two hands, and the rest is, they say, is history. Yeah. Mm.
0: So behind the stills is where you feel most comfortable with everything. You're saying
1: oh no no I like this as well. I love you know talking about it's like talking about your children. Uh, <laughs> you know it's it's great uh, because you, you you spend so much time and energy wondering what you know consumers like and yeah. the way whiskey's going that um, when somebody comes back and says that they like something from a whiskey perspective then it's great. It's like it's like a bumming about your child <laughs>
0: <laughs> and when uh, when talking about your children obviously uh Dublin Liberties have newly released a few expressions uh, the murder lane and the, the keeper's coin and so on I think there's a few more sure. hopefully coming down the pipeline mm-hmm. this year as well um what would you say is kind of the characteristic of the Dublin Liberties spirit now I know obviously you've only started distilling in the Dublin Liberties site just this year or Late last year? So.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we just finished the distillery uh, early 2019 and we had the stills running mid February. So, it's only about three and a half, four months now. Um, so, the Dubliner when we were creating the Dubliner, it's just like simple, easy drinking whiskey. So it's like a little bit what you would expect Irish whiskey to be. A good introduction. A good introduction. With the Dublin Liberties, we wanted to do something completely different. So it's like innovative, always, always got an age statement, uh, always got a nice finish. So it's always premium, always aged almost. But at the same time, talking about innovation, but keeping the history and heritage of the people of the Liberties. So when we pulled the distillery together, we called the distillery the Dublin Liberties Distillery. So the Dublin Liberties brand coming out at that time is now given an opportunity with her five-year-old blend or uh, Oak Devil or ten-year-old Copper Alley or thirteen-year-old uh, Tokai finished uh, Murder Lane and then her sixteen-year-old Pedro Jimenez finished uh, Keeper's Coin and we have a King of Hell, a twenty-seven-year-old so there's already five expressions there that are always aged and always premium so there's something for everybody, there's something from everybody from a taste perspective, something that they can move up and down the range with and uh, as well as that from a, a financial perspective Point of view as well. There's something yeah, for no, everybody true, yeah. uh, because a lot of people say, "Oh, you know, we can't have whiskey been too high." But there's a lot of consumers out there that look for something uh, that at that high end as well. So I think with the Dublin Liberties, we're catering for 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 a lot of people out there.
0: Well, I think it's fair to say that you've been very busy. Um, yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah, we we have about 13 expressions in three and a half years, so it's pr- pretty much non-stop, up there with some of the non-stop. big players. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: um, and you touched a little bit on the Tokai wine casks, so and we expect sure. a lot more kind of unusual finishes from you guys or.
1: Uh, yeah, we have we have a few uh, we have a few deliveries of cask there, which will fill some of our aged whiskies. in don't want to say too much about them because I don't want to take the onus off the five that we have now. But yeah, to to, to uh, what I can tell you is that we will have different expressions for the next number of years. And as I say, our twenty seven year old, we have enough liquid there to maybe go for so many bottles every year for a twenty eight year old, twenty nine year old, thirty, maybe even up to a thirty two, thirty three year old in the future. Fantastic! All with different finishes and all. Where if you buy your twenty-seven-year-old uh, this year, you might have an option—the first option—to buy the twenty-eight-year-old next year and twenty-nine-year-old the year after that. It's something along those lines that we'd like to do, because if somebody wants to collect some whiskey, uh, you know, come along, have a taste of what it tastes like, buy the whiskey, and then have the opportunity to buy the same expression a year older next year.
0: Yeah, of course, and that's quite often how collections start. You know, yeah. they want they want the next one, and I always think that's a thing in the whiskey industry is. Um, now, listeners, correct me if I'm wrong, but us whiskey people, are never happy. We're always looking for the next release. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, no, it's exciting to see what's coming down the pipeline. And I know you guys are coming to a uh, whiskey live Dublin this year. That's right. Um, and you're going to be doing a masterclass. Correct. Uh, can yeah. we expect anything unusual in that?
1: Uh, well, it was sort of touching on what you were, what you asked there last was, uh, you know, innovation through cask finishes and aged aged malts. So uh, we will definitely be bringing that. To whiskey live, uh, so yeah, it'd be great to get people along. But as I was saying as well, it's good even in master classes, sort of to kick off the shoes and talk about everything whiskey. Yeah, you know, to true. sort of go, you know, p- questions that people maybe don't get a chance to ask. You, yeah, it's great. I, I just love them. Yeah. yeah, it's good
0: for that kind of one on one.
1: Absolutely. Um,
0: yeah, as you were saying, people might not have the confidence to ask those questions in a large group and sure. a smaller masterclass environment. Uh, it's great. Absolutely. And um, well, obviously, you're kind of in the prime whiskey part of Dublin. Um, have you settled into? The Liberty's area okay as a young upstart?
1: Oh absolutely yeah um, I think with the building that we bought uh, well what about three and a half years ago the building that we bought it's sort of in a nice mix of sort of old and new uh, so the first part uh, is an old mill dating back about three or four hundred years and then everything behind that we pretty much just demolished and built up shiny and new so you come into this like age old sandblasted building with countless types of uh, stone and, and block work Um, into a nice retail cafe outlet and then eventually into a a more industrial looking um, sort of uh, mash house and still house, uh, but it's still got that wow factor because we tried to to, to to make it sort of top end as well. And then you have this lovely bar that you finish up and enjoy your whiskey, looking through at the stills, making making the next whiskey for uh, three, four, 5, 10, 20 years down the line. I
0: have the perfect view. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, I've written saying you do uh, daily tours. Um, can you let us know when they operate from? or?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so we, we usually have the team in there about 9.30 through to about 7pm the last tour being about 6pm now uh, we, we ha- we're we looking at sort of using the bar as well Maybe a little bit more than we have been But really what we wanted to do With us only being in operation for about three and a half months We wanted to get the stills running We wanted to get, start and get a bit of a marketing campaign About the visitor centre coming into a Great time of the year for Dublin and visitors Although Dublin all year round now There's visitors <laughs> which, yeah. which makes it really attractive uh, So we have the spirit ready now And happy with it and now we can concentrate on increasing the numbers to come through the doors, and as well as that, maybe do something special with the bar.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. Visitor centres are always a great way for kind of building on that kind of brand loyalty and sure. increasing the brand awareness. And when we were discussing earlier, actually, before we were talking in the podcast, you mentioned that you're going over to Asia next week. That's great. Um, yeah. So mm. is that going to be more promoting of the brands? Is that different tastings or different markets you're trying to target there, Daryl?
1: Yeah, we have a number of masterclasses uh, planned for. Singapore, Melbourne, Sydney and Shanghai um, We we have a distributor for one of our brands in China But we're, we're looking to maybe look at, a, at one of the other brands as well For another distribution uh, But it really is, we have a team, uh, a small team out in APAC And they really do uh, carry a lot of clout out there now already So it's going out to meet people, uh, let them taste the liquid Because the liquid does all the talking for me Because it's good quality and uh, really just keep the relationship going Because in Asia it's all about relationship I was out in uh, APAC, Japan last year as well So it's going to be a, a an annual occurrence to go out But it's really just building on the relationship that you really have So it'll be it'll be enjoyable I love just going out and seeing different parts of the world And seeing what consumers, how they drink their whiskies and so on and so forth But bring a little bit of Irish charm there as well And, and let them taste some of <laughs> the, taste the, the new it, yeah. whiskies that's coming, coming through there
0: and what would be the kind of biggest market for the Dublin Liberties distillery at the moment?
1: Yeah, well, you can't get away from sort of the USA, North North America, uh, but Russia is very good. Um, our, our investors as well has got good distribution in the Czech Republic and Poland. So it's really working out well for us at Fantastic. the minute. But yeah, USA, um, Eastern Europe, Australia, really, really good on our Dublin or Liqueur. Uh, yeah, so so we've about 25, we're in about 25 markets now at the minute and, oh, fantastic. Uh, and make, then making some good traction. The
0: hope is with going over to Asia you'll be increasing
1: absolutely. those markets there, Absolutely, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Fantastic and um, could you tell us like a little bit more about um, Dublin's kind of golden triangle, has that influenced you, the location why you chose the Dublin Liberties a- to abso- be there or? Yeah,
1: absolutely um, we wanted it to be in Dublin City first and foremost and as I say, come back in the day, I think there was about 37 distilleries in Dublin, and a lot of them sort of congregated around that area.
0: Yeah, and probably a few illicit ones as well.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I hope there's not so many now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and having the Dublin Liberties uh, as a brand name and the Dubliner, it was such an attraction when, when I was told that. I was going, right, where they I sign on the dotted line? You know, bring in, you know, everybody knows where Dublin is. Everybody has a relative from Dublin. I always say there's about six or seven million people in Ireland, and there's about 70 million worldwide yeah, who, who think true. they're from Ireland. So, yeah. So having the brand names of Dubliner and Dublin Liberties, I thought, great. You know, show show me where you want me to build this distillery. So uh, yeah, and as I say, it hasn't looked back from there.
0: And how easy was it finding the site for the Dublin Liberties? It, was that it a was few years in the pipeline? Or yeah,
1: yeah, we we were. Um, we were discussing with other people who were looking to get into Irish whiskey, but probably maybe didn't see this you know, the this, this size, the amount of money that you had to spend to, to, to get it to where it needed to be. Um, so we, we actually approached them and bought bought the site from them but they were in the very, very early stages and we changed the complete design and how we wanted it to look and feel. Uh, so that took a lot of time, That probably was the most timely bit getting the deal done. Uh, but once we had the deal done, we, we sort of hit the road running, and uh, as I say, there was only me, myself, and I, and a, and a an Irish uh, global marketing uh, director who, were, who was based in London, who then came back to Dublin. So then there was all of a sudden, we went from one to two, um, and we we started the dream, and now uh, we have about 20, 25 people based at the distillery for various things from production right, yeah. through to to a whiskey experience through the brand, the brand team, accountants, finance, etc. So yeah, it's uh, it's it's a nice achievement when you remember digging the sod and then all of a sudden now you have this shiny new distillery. Yeah, so <laughs> onwards and upwards. Onwards and upwards. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: And obviously in Dublin at the moment we have oh, five dist. Well. Four distilleries, I suppose, obviously the Jameson Bow Street experience. Do you think there is room for a lot more in Dublin City or do you think most of it's going to have to kind of go out of Dublin now?
1: Um, well, I think Dublin will always have a cluster, uh, you know, in those five distilleries that we have there now, plus Jameson as a visitor centre. Uh, I'm not saying it's enough because if you look back in the history in the early 1900s, the amount of distilleries that were there and, and very sizable distilleries as well. I think to answer that question is more the appetite for Irish whiskey. As it grows, then we will see, you know, more and more being built. Um, I think I've been quoted in the media before to say that, you know, of the 26 distilleries or whatever, it's in the island of Ireland planning are being built at the minute. I didn't think they would all survive. And I still believe that. I think we'll get to a point where there will be amalgamation and so on and so forth. But... Uh, but the way it's going at the minute it's great uh, I think there's 44 or 46 distilleries planned it's, you can't B- keep up it with all. it no, changes every it week mm-hmm Bring it on.
0: Changes week, um, but yeah, no, I think that is a good point. I mean, not anyone we've had on the podcast has said that so far. But at the end of the day, it does come down to supply and demand. It's all about the demand for Irish whiskey. If it's, if it's still there, it'll continue to
1: prosper. That's, that's it. Um, you know, if you look at if you look at Scottish whiskey I, in the back in the early 1900s, Irish and Scotch were were both at about 14 million cases. Irish, we haven't really even got to there yet, so we're only getting back to where we rightfully belong you know, in the, the golden days of, of, of whiskey, uh Scott, Scottish has went on to ninety five million. Uh, I do think that, you know, globally people are beginning to taste Irish and the difference between Irish and Scotch and it's you know it's 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 moving forward in a in a in a very positive way. Um, but as I say that route to market and getting those sales and getting set up in countries it takes a lot of time and effort and people. So uh, you know, I think it's gonna be difficult for some some and not so difficult for others. So And yeah. do
0: you think the whiskey industry they work quite closely together in terms of like when you were starting the Dublin Liberties distillery, was there, you know, anybody you could call on for advice or
1: yeah, well I'm being in the whiskey world for twenty years and having worked for Irish distillers and for, for bush mills, um I've sorta of, you know, I
0: made I, some I good connections. Made a lot of
1: connections. On the operations side it's it's all one big family and when we get to meet up at some of the events it's you know, it's just reminiscent about back in the day. But I think the Irish Whiskey Association as well helps guide people coming through as well, from entrepreneurs right through I sit as well on the technical team. So um, you're you able to give advice and help, albeit as long as you're not being commercially insensitive to, to your employer. Of course. You try to help people as much as you possibly can within the realms of what you're, you're allowed to do. And I think Irish people are a bit like that anyway. So if somebody says, oh, could you help me with that? You tend to help anyway. So, yeah, it's a very, you know, the category is very strong. But at the same time, when you go out to Asia next week, like I'm going out, we're going out as competitors as well. Of so, course. So yeah, let's uh, let's grow the category, grow the Irish whiskey category, and uh, um, we'll have a bit of, a bit of a fight in the commercial side. Sounds <laughs> good. Sounds
0: good. Love that competitive <laughs> spirit. And how would you drink your whiskey, Daryl? Would you typically have your whiskey neat, or would you ever? Experiment with a cocktail or anything no, like I, that. No, I
1: would drink it. Drink it many ways. Um, I, I like some of the cocktails. Some of the cocktails that we do um, at the distillery. you should Call in and try a few of them. Um,
0: one Friday night. <laughs> yep, ab-
1: absolutely. Yeah, um, but you know, I usually one cube of ice and let the ice half melt. Just open up the whiskey again, depending on the strength. With the Dublin Liberties, we've done everything forty six percent non chill filtered. So I just like a little bit of ice. Let it open. Open the whiskey and and sip it from there. But as I say, when you when you're in this business, you're sort of drinking whiskey on an ongoing basis, so you tend tend to pick one and uh, enjoy it in a Friday evening, you know. So yeah.
0: I know, I would be the same. Like sometimes it's nice to have your whiskey neat and then that Dublin or honeycomb liqueur, I love that over yeah, ice. Yeah, yeah, um, Over ice cream as well, listeners, if you ever want to do that, <laughs> I'd highly recommend it.
1: <laughs> you have to hide it. You have to hide it in the house. I know, it's, uh, it's fighting over it between me and my mum.
0: Well, um, thanks so much, Daryl, for coming in today. I think that's all our questions for just now. Brilliant. And uh, have a great day.
1: Thank you very much. Thanks.
0: Thanks to everyone at Dublin Liberties Distillery for welcoming us in. That's all for this episode. Join us next time as we talk to Dingles, Elliot Hughes and head down to the Irish Whiskey Awards. What could possibly go wrong? Also, make sure to follow us on our social channels at DistilledPod on Twitter and at DistilledPodcast on Instagram for updates. Until next time, I'm Julie and this has been Distilled.